Welcome to Go Home Heat, a wrestling money in the bank contract pay-per-view. Nicholas is here. Lit, Lit Nick from the ATL has called in to speak with KP from the can, and we are going to mow through a night of pro wrestling that had some flaws, but none of that had to do with the people who wrestled. Yeah, yeah, we're going to have a discussion about Peacock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, like, mainly server stuff, but we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, what I'm thinking I may do, depending on what Peacock lets us do, is we're going to do this... And I'm gonna wait, and we may add, I may add on like a special breakdown of the match after. Like we may talk. I know you got to work tomorrow. Talk through this, and then I'll go back and watch it when we're done talking, and and right. may add that on to the end. But um, I mean, we'll obviously talk about the results and where we think that leads. Um, this thing starts out in the pre-show actually with the Mysterios versus the Usos. Uh, the Usos won. And they kind of reminded everybody exactly why they are, exactly who they say they are. This will make them a seventh or eighth time champion. And all the belts are on the bloodline now. The Mysterios had a fantastic performance. Uh, Tag Team Warfare can become... I'm got to help my guy out any any means possible, and that is exactly how the finish wound up being. As Jimmy winds up trying for the roll up, and Jay sticks his feet through the ropes to keep the momentum and not allow Ray to kick out. You get the one, two, three there. The ref was out was not in position to see that. Although to be fair, I don't know how he could have assumed that might happen. And did you get see this? I did. I did. It was great, wasn't it? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. First of all, the Mysterios went from an, from like a temple in Mexico through a Stargate. What a weird way to begin the pay-per-view, first of all, to initiate Stargate's end of this. I respect it. Strange opening. But that crowd was just electric and just... They ate up everything and just made this whole thing very special and very good. Like... Agreed. And this, and this, of course, like the wrestling itself was spectacular. Like the Usos, once again, proving why they are the best. And Dominic is just doing great, and Ray is Ray. It was it. It's a really good palette, like thing that cleanses the palate, gets you ready for what's about to come. Of just like this is the way wrestling was. You remember that? You remember that? Right. <laughs> good. It's good, is what I'm saying. It's, it's very good. We are exactly who we say we are. The best in the biz. Yeah. And I felt like... I felt like that led you to kind of know what the next <laughs> month of programming is going to be. Now, moving into the... We, 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 we begin the inform- we begin the actual show with um, Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, Nikki A.S.H., Natalia, Tamina, Zelina Vega, Naomi, Oscar, all in a Money in the Bank. Women. 
Go ahead. Talk about it, Nick. It's in the women's money in the bank contest, and it's good to see all these people working and all this stuff. The crowd was surprisingly on Alexa Bliss's side like 90% of the time, which is really weird when you compare it to the IWC, the internet wrestling community, and some of our own personal thoughts. Well, just like, you don't think she's over because like, everyone seems to be kind of not liking what she's doing. But if I've, if I've learned anything from this match, it's the fact that Alexa Bliss herself isn't the problem. And I feel like we've said this a million times. Like, when she can physically do the thing that her character is supposed to do and look creepy and do the weird spider crawl and just be able to, because she's so flexible and so small, just become this very small little raccoon that will just murder you. It really is effective and it just is points to showing, oh yeah, you remember, Alexa Bliss is really good at wrestling. And, he's just, and every time I forget, and then she gets in the ring and reminds me, I'm like, I feel stupid for, for, for forgetting this. So Alexa Bliss, if, if everyone wants to come at her at all, shut up, don't. Um, she also had some really great spots throughout the entire match. Of the, I mean, obviously you have to use the ladder. But um, what was it? I believe it was Naomi or Natalia that grabbed poor, poor Nikki Ash yeah. off of the top turnbuckle, slammed her into Alexa Bliss, who was on a, on a ladder that was tucked between two ropes. Yes. Big rough, big owl. Now, Alexa's powers caused her to have an opportunity to almost win the thing, and so the whole crew gangs up and piles every ladder in the building on top of her, except the ones that are going to be used. And the audience moves. They did. They did. And then we have a a, (laughs) we had a a spot that I, I don't recall seeing where you wind up with. Three, I'm sure I've seen it before. You wind up with three ladders underneath the belt. I mean, underneath the briefcase. Every participant but Bliss and Nikki, uh, almost superhero ASH, punching each other in the head. And they get so engaged in it that none of them notice Nikki actually kind of straddle climbing between two ladders and going up and grabbing the money in the bank. And I just thought that was clever and a good way to end it. And really happy for Nikki. Really happy for Nikki as well. I feel like she's... I've always loved Nikki since her time in the NXT. Her character has been floating around doing some old new things. But she's, she's really into her own character. She feels like... I feel like this is her being able to put up like this one part of herself that she's always kind of wanted to do. Does that make any sense? Like, clearly inspired by Molly, like Holly, Molly, Holly, or I forgot her name. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, you got it. Yeah, but also it just, it feels as though this is her unbridled and to have this version of her get, get not only the suitcase, but to have that huge pop when she did, which part of that could have just been because, oh, we were watching a pay per view. But I, I'd like to think it's also because you know, people like people like Nikki. This isn't the problem. This isn't the problem at all. And I'm really happy that she won it. You know, out of everyone there, she was one of my she was my dark horse to win. She was my dark horse. And this is a little 
a little bit of an olive branch to the fans because there are fans who will obviously not believe Nikki's words when she says, I want to be this character. There are fans that will always book, because we've heard a million times people defend their characters and then wind up getting fired and saying, no, 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 that was stupid creative. Which is, we don't know if that's true or not, right? Then, so people are never going to believe her. Some people will never believe her exactly when she says, uh, this is who I want to be. But also when you couple that with her being in some really weird bookings this year prior to that, and then of course her whole career is a series of weird bookings and she has never publicly complained. She didn't uh, run to somebody's podcast and say they should treat me better. She didn't, which, you know, the the cool hip thing is to now complain publicly about WWE and try to get a push that way, right? Even if you're in the right, Just running over to Jericho's podcast, going on there. And just saying, if there are any wrestlers who want to complain, you can always come on to our podcast. <laughs> or, or, um, or coming on to Raw Talk or Smack Talk or, or, you know, going on their Twitter feeds, going into business for yourself, right? And a lot of those now, I think it, it originally happened a while back, and now it's kind of the kind of thing where they'll actually even just write it in sometimes when they perceive it from a person. But this was an olive branch. Hey, you may not like the way we treated her, but she's going to be a champ this year. It may be for a day, but she's going to get to be a champ this year. And that's great. Okay, so then we get the Viking Raiders and AJ Styles versus Almost, And a couple of really great spots in here from AJ it was the typical two single stars like they told us it was going to be beforehand two two singles not stars because almost isn't a star yet but he is a entity unto himself and then you have a viking raiders combinations and they go back and forth but the spot where almost tosses aj like a baby at them and then he hits a conrada on eric is just nuts right <laughs> throws him over the top yeah. rope towards the floor and then he hits a Conrada before he hits the floor just amazing um the, the finish there was the Viking Raiders have AJ dead to rights and rather than jump over the rope and try to dive at the guys in the middle of the ring before the three count ends almost just almost just pushes the Viking Raider into the pile up with one which push you know and then it boom breaks it up and then of course he gets a tag and he gets the finish there um i don't have a problem with this i, I like aj and almost and I, I if you don't have anything for aj to do letting him be the spectacular cell guy in a tag match is fine i mean could aj could always be world champion on your show he can always be your u.s champion but then you don't get to tell stories with other people and here we're allowing AJ to wrestle two guys for a while and then you have the cleaner come in and finish it up and that's cool. I mean they you know I, I don't mind it at all. What about you? I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I think uh that I'm thinking I was the reason I'm I'm like having a beat before I say that is because I do wanna say I, I am gonna say I think even though it's not the I think it's my favorite match, personally, of the night. Um, is, it, is it the best wrestled? Not particular. I mean, it's, it's, it's not bad in any means of the word. But 
I really do just love because we haven't really seen them do much on Raw, have we? Like, we saw it recently, but like, it's become this weird thing where Om, like Omos and AJ, just kind of thrown to the side, and then when you let them do the thing, they're just like it's a match made in heaven. The guy who's like arguably the best wrestler in the world paired with the largest man ever conceived. It's it's just it's great. And right. seeing their dynamics, especially with some with these very talented groups like the Viking Raiders, it just it it's great. It's very fun. It does what it needs to do. Crowd is hot for AJ the entire time. <laughs> Always. And, and they were so excited when Omos got the win. They were so happy. And I think this is going to be a sign that the crowds, when they get there, they're I, I don't know if they're going to try. They're trying to push like AJ and Omos' heels, but they're gonna they're gonna be tweeners at best if it keeps going like this. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's, um, it's hard not to root for AJ, no matter how Biggie wants you to hate him, because we all know the career path and how great he is. And we also him the dingaling a lot by Shinsuke, and that always deserves some pity. Well, and to your point, he's made everything they've ever given him to do work. And not everybody can do oh, that, yeah. dude. Not everybody can do that. But the key to that is once you ring the bell, he's the best. And he, he, he he's on the short list of, of the greatest to ever lace up boots. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. moving on to something you probably did not like, Bobby Lashley versus Kofi Kingston. And if you, <laughs> thought, if you thought Kofi diving into Brock Lesnar for the quick finish was tough to watch... I did not think this was a bad match character-wise for Bobby. Here's what happens, guys. Kofi gets two moves in, and for the next 10 minutes, Bobby beats that man for pillar to post. He rammed him off the post two or three times. He dominated him, I think, three times after he was basically unconscious. And then he, you know, he he put the he put the whole he put his hurt lock on him once. And the ref was maybe about to call it, and he slant, kind of turned himself into the ref so the ref couldn't see him tapping and then let go of the hold so he could beat on him more. And Kofi goes out with a whimper, and it was tough, but I, I, I just know that when that happened, I thought two things. One, oh, no, Monday night we're getting who's next which means Goldberg. Two. Two, Big E's going to win tonight. And I'd already thought Big E was going to win tonight. But when Kofi went out like that, I thought, yeah, they got to give the crowd something back. And it's going to have to be Big E to make up for this because those guys are buddies. And I I, I would um, I would love it if – you know, it's wrestling. Big E can do whatever he wants. They'll figure it out if they want to do it that way. I would love it if Big E showed up on Monday Night Raw and said, you're not going to do that to my boy. You know, you also have a draft coming up where you could have the Money in the Bank winner drafted to Raw and walk right up to Bobby and be like, hey, nah, I'm going to set that straight. And that would be great. And you could, and it, that, that's a program that can go on in the background as Bobby wins matches and then when Bobby wins one and he's a little bit uh a little bit um beaten up 
Big E can cash in on them, and then that can turn into another two months worth of programs, right? Because you get the rematch, and then um, no matter what, you probably get another one out of it, right? And I just I like that idea. I, I've been wanting if Roman is to lose the belt ever, I was wanting it to be Big E, but there's other directions you could go there. And Big E defending his boy would be cool too. But I don't care which program Big E winds up being the world champ on. Just make him the world champ this year. And they and they did that in the match. But uh, I kind of fast forwarded over to that after this. What did, what was your impression of this of this Lashley Kofi thing? I'm going to say that based on the last Raw, based on how we built this story to be. I get it. And at the very least, it didn't last five seconds like the infamous Kofi Brock thing. Um, because if we're talking about the story of Bobby, like like Bobby's losing his edge, he's getting weak because he's because like he's hanging out around all these women in the drink and MVP's making him soft and blah, blah, blah. Right. It makes sense that after he blows up at MVP... Kofi gets cocky, Bobby is not, and it, and like because the, the story of Bobby underestimating the New Day is the story that we've been telling over the Raws thing, and it's him getting more serious and focused again. Right. So it makes sense now that he would do this. It I I buy it, if only because of the previous Raws, and that's why I'm not going to be the negative Nancy here. Uh, I think storytelling wise, it did what it was supposed to do, and whether that leads to Big E being the one or someone else, I don't know. All I know for sure is that it's like it's going to be interesting to see who takes on this Bobby Lashley. Now that this one's kind of back. Well, here's the thing too, though. If Bobby is going to face Lesnar or or Goldberg at SummerSlam, rumors of being what they are. If that's the route we're going, having Bobby look like a straight killer when we get either the match I don't want to see in particular, which is Goldberg, or a match I've been looking forward to for a decade with Lesnar. Because you put him across the ring from Lesnar, eye to eye, Lashley the Destroyer, Lesnar the Beast, and it's, dude. Come on. That's going to be brutal. We all know how Bobby likes to work. We all know how Lesnar likes to work. We know that they that if they were to actually get into a fight, we know it would probably be fairly legitimate, if, especially if Bobby got to jump on him early. <laughs> if, if, if Lesnar gets to jump on anybody early in real life, it's over. But anyway, moving along. Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley. What did you think? I think wrestling-wise, it was... Fantastic. Mm-hmm. I l- loved that whole thing. The, this is the, the physicality of everything and how they were really clever with like getting in and out of this really was the highlight of this match of just seeing was a second what was it? Uh, natural selection off the second rope or top rope to Rhea because Rhea is the only one tall enough to take it. <laughs> Right, like, ooh. right. And the it, reversal of the of the uh, riptide air like in, into a DDT. Are you kidding? Absolutely. Right. 
the the move where uh, Charlotte's going for some form of a roll up, and Rhea comes out the back door and has her by the wrist and turns that into Charlotte being on her uh, thighs as she's kind of bent, and she's going to turn it into a suplex in a, in a real show of strength, and she kind of gets her up. But then if you look closely, you can see Charlotte brace her arm on Rhea and firmly plant and because she was so her body was at two degree two it was she was uh a right angle for a second right and so in order to get her body up Rhea was doing all she could do, do just to hold her for her not falling so Charlotte had to brace herself with her arm with her with her tries and her forearms and all that and and push her whole body up straight and what that takes to do without the fact that you're doing it on another with another human is crazy. And the fact that Rhea can be that sturdy of a base to just do that move is nuts. Because Charlotte ain't like, it'd be one thing if that's Liv Morgan. Because there's a significant amount of distance bet between the end of Liv's feet and the end of Charlotte's feet, if you know what I'm saying. Because <laughs> Charlotte's so long, yeah. it was just... It was crazy, and of course, the finish there. Like you said, the natural selection, and Charlotte sits up and goes, "Holy, you know," sh is what she says. And the camera gets that really well. The camera work was great there, and then we get that finish where Rhea kind of does like a sitting, sort of kind of sitting suplex that almost puts Charlotte's head into the turnbuckle, but her head winds up hitting the mat, and she rolls out, and she realizes, "Okay, I've done everything I can do." And even when I do some things, and you know, Rhea either answers or pushes through it, whatever it is. And so she goes to basically into a flurry of of um, of what her dad would do. A flurry of those kind of moves. She Rhea leans out of the ring to grab Charlotte to try to pull her back into the ring, and Charlotte slams her head into the ring post and then as, as Rhea falls down from that she pulls her further out of the ring and she sticks her leg in between the post and the stairs and she gets a run and start and she kicks the, the stairs and, and slams her ankle in there and then she does it again and then she immediately rolls and, and instead of just one cheating move and then a pin attempt one cheating move and a pin attempt she chains three together I mean just I mean that is some flair that is a that is a nature boy Ric Flair performance there's only one way I can do this, but I have to do it. And so she chains the cheat moves together. She puts her in the figure eight. There's nothing Rhea can do, and she submits. And it was the kind of thing, you know, the story. I didn't particularly like the story I, 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 they were telling on the shows. But as you tell the story, and Rhea is able to match her in wit somewhat for her to decide, okay, now I have to do it all in succession. And to do it... Uh, that um frenetically was such a great way to tell that story and put the belt on Charlotte. I just now don't get me wrong, the ref probably at some point should have said that's cheating, but hey, it's wrestling. Whatever. Um mm -hmm. <laughs> that could have been a DQ somewhere in there. But it's just chef's kiss, you know, for the for the what we got there. Uh, am I am I wrong about that? Are you good with it? I'm all right with it. Uh, I'll say I'm all right with it. I would have liked I'm a bit disappointed that Rhea always it's similar it's a similar vein to Oscar with this a little bit. Where it's like 
they will win the like Rhea will have a great match she's booked so well in NXT and stuff and I know we're looking to the future not to the past and I agree we should um but there is a thing where like I would like her to win you know <laughs> I like yeah you yeah. know and, and I like, want to have her, to win her too. like I love Charlotte mm-hmm why? Like, where is the story going to go with this? Is this how we can bring Becky back? Never fucking go for the Well, it, it, <laughs> if this frustrates you, think about how good you're going to feel when Nikki, almost a superhero, is standing over with the world championship in her hand. If she dethrones Charlotte, Charlotte, I will, you will. My location will be on the moon, as I will have been sent there. Because Charlotte would never even acknowledge the times that that Nikki beat her, and in the second time Nikki beat her, even though it was another countout or something, it was still the kind of thing where your mentality cost you, right? It wasn't Nikki like. You said you wouldn't let things get to you in order to put the whooping on Nikki she deserved, and then instead you still let it happen. So she never took Nikki. She never took Nikki seriously enough to even worry about count out losses to her. Like it, she just didn't matter at all. And when she did lose to her, that didn't that didn't delay her her trip to the championship. So if Nikki can be the one to be standing there above her. I mean, that's what I'm talking about, right? Now, technical difficulties the whole world over from what from what my Twitter feed fit, fit, <laughs> Twitter feed said uh, ruined uh, Kevin Owens, Riddle, Shinsuke, Ricochet, John Morrison, Biggie, Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre match, Money in the Bank ladder. Um, I will get into details on that later because I am going to go back and watch it and then put this out after that. Um, Nick, what did you think? What did you get to watch much of it, or I saw one frame per minute. Yes, which is to say, I didn't see any. Well, I mean, I through the slideshow that I was shown, <laughs> I did get glimpses as to what happened. Right, namely the most important thing that probably happened to that would be what happened to Drew. Um, yes. And apparently this is technical issues everyone was having across the board. Right. Drew got um, carried out of there by uh, Gender and his crew, which is, I knew that was going to happen. I mean, we all knew that. As great as it seemed, and it did seem funny because it was, you know how they'll show you highlights from the night, from the pay-per-view on Monday Night Raw or on SmackDown and it's still shots? That's like yeah. literally what we got. And so when I'm looking at Riddle going from top of ladder to springboarding off post to landing on a bunch of people and I don't get to see all of the frames, I'm like wanting to just throw something at the television so madly. But <laughs> And then when you see like the Riddle and the Seth thing and you're like, I've been waiting on these two dudes to like square off because, you know, of their, of their history or whatever. And then you see... He, just the whole that Kevin Owens and Seth have such history, and to see Seth do that, and then after he lost at WrestleMania, and then turn and almost make his way up the ladder, and then for Big E to to put the big ending on him, and I don't get to see the whole big ending. All I see is the beginning and the end of it, right? And then as Big E climbs, he's three 
three rungs up, and then he's holding it as the champion. I'm like, ugh, ugh, ugh. But luckily, Biggie wins, and like I said, we'll break it down later. Roman versus Edge is next. Uh, in between all that, we have earlier, Roman tells the Usos, yes, the bloodline's on top, but that was the light work. You about to see the heavy work and make sure you guys help me out. So that sets up what we may see later. Seth, post this match, post the Money in the Bank match, is the guy tries to interview him, and he says, what a fantastic effort you had, Seth. And, and Seth is like, effort? I don't want to hear anything about effort or performance or any of that. I failed. I had one job, and I have failed at it. I have to come up with a different plan. And he's uh, he's literally streaming consciousness for us, right? And he's like, I got to come up with a different plan, different plan, different plan. And then he goes, boom, and he's ready to go, right? Because he's going to be the next challenger no matter what is what he thinks. I have to make that happen mm-hmm. somehow. And so then we get this match. And we and, I, and I've thought all along that Seth was going to be the reason why Roman lost. I thought all along, I mean, while Roman won, I thought all along that Big E was going to win the money in the bank. So I'm feeling pretty prophetic right now. But we get this match, and they start slow. It is the polar opposite of what a money in the bank ladder match is. We start out with a, actually, before they even touch, we get let's go Roman, let's go Edge. We start out with the collar and elbow tie-ups as they push each other back and forth. Uh, Edge rides him down to the ground after a little while with a wrestling hold, slaps him in the back of the head a couple of times. Uh, The story winds up being Roman trying to overwhelm Edge with his strength. And Edge is targeting that right arm in hopes to eliminate the Superman punch, which is either a finish or a counter to a finish or the counter that sets up the finish for Roman. Edge takes a beating for the mid part of the match there. And then he does swing it in his direction. As, as, as Roman endures it, he, he leaves the ring for a second, and Paul reminds him of who he – Paul Heyman, the manager, reminds him of who he is. What would your father do? Show him what Sicka was all about. Uh, Roman enters the ring again, and he gets, he gets the, the advantages on edge. He holds him to the ground as he's choking him. And you can see after a while – it's funny how you, you do these matches, and, and if, if the crowd's invested – when you get deep into these matches where you start slow like this and then you gradually build it up, every move starts to matter, right? Because you feel like these two guys are big. We've seen them both finish matches quickly at different times. Everything could be the thing that swings the momentum, right? And once you get past 10 minutes, who knows, right? And so, but which as of course we wind up, we've got a lot more time left to go. And Roman is holding him down, choking him out when Edge does manage to get up and get some momentum. One uppercut drops Edge again and Roman exclaims he's cute. Roman was really good at the way he played to the crowd here but it was kind of the opposite, the way he kind of belittled the crowd as he was belittling their hero. Uh, when Edge was on the bottom rope, gasping for air after the ch- series of chokes, Roman strolls around the outside telling them how great Roman is and then he hits the, the drive-by on edge and you think you know 
this is rough. And then, of course, Edge eventually swings it around, gets the cross face. Roman's in trouble. Roman gets him out of the ring. It looks like Roman is going to spear him into the barricade. Edge moves out of the way. Roman goes through the barricade. Then Edge turns, stops the 10 count, gets back out, puts Roman through the barricade. Fireman's carries him to the ring, uh, has Roman dead to rights. But by the time he's carried Roman back, Roman's comeback leads to a chain of events. Superman punch that takes Edge into the referee, hurting Charles Robinson's knee. He's unable. He winds up rolling out of the ring, and he's out of the picture. Roman sees that Edge is in trouble. He thinks Edge is further in trouble probably than Edge really is. He, he takes his time because Paul, who was great in this match as well, points out to Roman that the referee's out of action. That's when Roman goes for the goes for the chair. He's going to even up what the embarrassment of having that bottom piece of the chair put in his mouth twice. He takes it to the ring, but Edge manages to get his thumb and hand between his mouth and that he eventually goes with the elbows to the thigh and maybe even lower. He gets his way out of it, and then he winds up being able to flip the script and get Roman into it. Roman has no way to get out of this. The Usos come down to uh, save the day. The Mysterios come out and save the day. We have them fighting off into the distance. Seth Rollins jumps the rail through the crowd, kicks Edge in the head, leaves happily. Uh, Roman gets up. He thinks he's got him. He's kind of talking to the crowd again, playing to the crowd. And as he's running into either Superman punch or spear, he gets speared by Edge, who has had time to recover. Edge goes for the cover. He, they, the crowd counts to 10-ish. Referee runs down, but on the count on his count of three, Roman manages to. As they're squaring off, we have Seth run back down, get on the apron. Edge turns towards Seth, puts the big boot on Seth's grill. Seth hits the ground. When he turns around, boom, spear. One, two, three, and still is your champion. Seth comes into the ring. If it ends right here, the pay-per-view ends right here, awesome right but then seth comes in and starts beating on the chain uh, beating on edge and he turns to roman and he says you owe me the next match i'm the one who put that belt on you, you this ain't yours anymore i'm next and at that point edge jumps seth they fight off into the distance as we've all heard all along Edge and Seth will be facing each other at SummerSlam, and we are fast off and running into that program right now. Roman takes the mic and says, the whole world can acknowledge me now. And at that point in time, we hear Cena's music. The loudest pop known to man. They could hear this from space. <laughs> right. And S Cena looks so man out of time with the same outfit on and the same jorts on and the no socks. And it's, <laughs> but he is a star baby. And that crowd loved him. And when his music hit, they went nuts. And when he turned to, when, when Roman watched him run around, like, what are you doing in my ring? And then he slowly stepped to Roman. Like, I'm a little worried, but more like, 
I'm making fun of you. And then he just threw his hand up and said, you can't see me and turned and laughed and walked off. It was so good. And I have been hoping this is where we were going ever since I heard Cena might come back because my son, uh, Ray said to me, well, at least they could do it right this time. Because before Roman wasn't ready for a program with a guy on the mic like Cena. And now he probably is. The character is right. The everything is right for Roman to face Cena and go over Cena and anoint himself as the be all end all of what's going on. Uh, what, what did you think brother? A fantastic pitch. Perfect match. a pitch. Perfect ending. A bow on top of it all. It was great. It was a, everything you said. If, if you're going to, even though my favorite match of the night was probably the Omos thing, if you're going to watch any match, have it be that one. Have it be this one right here, Edge versus Roman. It's worth every penny. Right. Right. And to and to bring it back to Cena, anybody else would have frustrated me right here. But Cena, let's do it. Let's get it on. Because I don't know how many matches Cena's going to have left anyway. You know, like, not that he, I mean, he could wrestle as long as he wants, but I think his goals are elsewhere. You know, I think his goals are in Hollywood, so I don't, I don't see him doing this a whole lot more. So him coming back for this is great. And it tells you how big a deal Roman is right now for him to feel like this is the right time to get in the ring with that guy. And there's also another story to tell here of the fact that Cena was never willing to go heel. And that because of that, like Roman, I don't know how he'll phrase it, but Roman could phrase this as I created an island of relevance by doing what I've done and you were never willing to do that. So therefore, none of these people got to shine with you because they came to you lost and went away forever, which isn't necessarily true, but it is a perception that is wide and is a neat story to tell, right? Yes. Okay, Money in the Bank winner, Big E, who do you want to see? What do you want to see him do? I think that, I mean, there there are two two main roads to go. Yeah, there's the revenge against Bobby Lashley for what you've done to Kofi. But there's also the angle you can go of having because of the, the story that they've built on SmackDown through Talking Smack, but specifically through the way that Paul Heyman and Big E have been interacting. But I feel like it makes more sense for Big E to be the one to eventually dethrone Roman. If only because, again, there is that thing where Paul has been slowly, like, watering this plant of Big E and then having Big E kind of like make fun of Roman like on Friday night saying like, oh, is he scared of Edge now? I call next. Da, 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 da. And then just like the look of Paul Hayner's like, I, this man unsettles me because I don't, I have created a monster with this. I've made someone who could actually maybe win. Mm-hmm. Right. So because, but the, the thing is with the great thing about E with this is the fact that he has two great storylines he can go into depending on whatever the writers want to do. Right. It's 
perfect on both brands. It's a rare thing, and I hope that they stick to the landing to whatever one they do it for. Right, and you have so, so many thinking heads on these pods in, in the wrestling world that have said that Big E had to change in order to be taken seriously. And then Roman being the guy that did change, there's there's that route too, right? To go with this yeah. whole thing. And so it, there is so much to be told. There's so much to unravel. You had a good night of wrestling besides that 20 minutes that you couldn't see anything? <laughs> Where the servers apparently wanted to die across the globe? Yes, it was great. That it was a good time. Too. So I'm going to go watch this thing, give a quick review on the end of this, but I don't want you getting out of here without telling us to go home. So guys, at the end of this, there's a little bonus segment. It's like a Marvel movie, kind of. post-credit scene, if you will. Yeah. Will it be kind of a half post-credit? What, what did you call it? Mid-credit scene. Mid-credit scene. So Nick, yes. you want to do it? Yes. Yes, I can. <clears throat> Everybody, go home. But stay for the mid-credits, stay for the mid-credits, stay for the mid-credits. And we're back. All right, just watched it. And wow, what a fantastic match. I imagine if you were at that arena tonight, you were over the moon when you left. I saw where Bubba Ray Dudley put on uh, Twitter a minute or two ago, uh, when the WWE gets it right, they get it right. And they got it right tonight. That match was so good. The, the, I'm talking specifically, I'm only talking about Money in the Bank, although the entire pay-per-view was fantastic. Um, we had Riddle, Kevin Owens, Shinsuke Nakamura, Ricochet, John Morrison, Biggie, Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, some of the best talent and workers this company has to offer and people, multiple people who tend to be able to land on their feet as if they were cats when you can Ricochet, Morrison, and... Seth Rollins. Now, Riddle's kind of like that, too. You wind up starting out with this oddity of everybody brawling, and then, except for outside of the ring, you have Morrison and Seth Rollins arguing about who has the most drip, which winds up being interesting. At first, uh, Ricochet kicks him, I mean, Riddle kicks them both, and then Ricochet flies over the top of Riddle and into Morrison, and then R Riddle does a flip on to Seth, and then we have this interesting thing where these multi-man matches sometimes they will tease a fight that everybody kind of would like to see and sometimes hasn't thought of usually it's with a big guy here it's biggie and drew squaring up with each other and you have them circling each other like bulls of the woods for uh, as dusty would say and they Whenever anybody runs to get in between them, they clear them out of the ring because they want they want to be one on one with each other. You have Drew throw Big E, and then you have Big E retort with a running spear tackle through the middle rope, and Drew goes flying out of the ring with him onto the ground. That sets up an odd one of the odder things that I've never thought of, which was a Drip Brothers tag team where you had John Morrison and Seth Rollins running roughshod over this match for about for the middle portion of it pre that though you did have Morrison somehow land a, a a somersault flip over Shinsuke as Shinsuke was trying to push the ladder 
He landed that, then he winds up taking the ladder to the ring corner and doing some form of a <laughs> corkscrew over the top of the ladder onto Shin. Amazing. And then, of course, there's these two. I'm going to need, before Seth Rollins and John Morrison hang it up, I'm going to need a Drip Brothers tag team. It would be, how do you say it, man? It would just be so wet. I mean, it would be soaking. Morrison, steal that, brother. Okay, and the, then we get all the great spots. They do it throughout the whole thing. Um, KO, KO hits a... As the Drip Brothers, who, I, who I've deemed them, are running roughshod, they start to run roughshod over Kevin Owens, who Seth, of course, has a long history of disliking. They set up a, ta a, ta uh, a ladder from ring apron to announcer's table that will get used later. KO does a moonsault springboard or a lion salt off the middle rope onto two Seth and Morrison holding the ladder, which swings the script there for a little bit. But of course, it's two on one. It doesn't work out. We wind up with uh, McIntyre, who is Mr. Funsucker, gets up behind Morrison and Seth after they have gotten rid of Kevin Owens. And he puts a beating on them for a little bit. And then it gets crazy as uh, as eventually Drew winds up. First he winds up doing, I mean, it's nuts, guys. You, you wind up with some form of a 790 freaking thing by Morrison off the top rope onto Drew on, that's on a ladder, that's laying on the, ground, on the mat on a ladder. You have Riddle with a quick RKO fest, and you have Drew decides to go Undertaker and go over the top rope onto the people fighting outside of the ring. As Drew has taken care of everybody now, he even has a little callback to his great match with Rollins as he Claymore's Rollins. Then he gets his alone in the ring. It's over. And the Mega Singh brothers, or whoever these two monsters are that have accompanied our man Jinder Mahal, into the company now pull Drew down off the ladder. He will not win because Jinder and company beat Drew up the runway away from the match. Then it gets crazy as we go down the stretch. We have Ricochet and Riddle on top of the ladder. When Riddle falls off of the ladder, he grabs it and starts to push it. Somehow Ricochet manages to springboard off the top rope into the crowd again. Ricochet is unreal. They have got to figure out a way to not Shelton Benjamin him, and by that I mean let him win a real title. Let him be... I don't know. Shelton did get to be a mid-card title guy for a little while, and he was great. But I I, I want Riddle to... Ha I mean, uh, Ricochet to at some point have the big belt. I don't know how they do it, but they got to figure that out because... With everything on the line, what he could do in some form of a crazy... TLC match for the title would be, and what he'd probably be willing to do for us would be unreal. Uh, similar to when Rey Mysterio once had the belt, if you're old enough to remember that. Okay. The finish. We get Riddle with multiple RKO's. We get Rollins with a stomp. We get Shinsuke with the GTS on Rollins. We get Morrison with the dripstick on Nakamura as he's about to get in. He sprays the water in his face. Then we get Owens with Stunner on Morrison and Shin. We get 
Owens with a pop-up powerbomb on Ricochet. We get uh, Owens ascending to the ladder, crowd going wild. Seth pulling him down and bombing him onto the ladder that he had put between the apron and the announcer's table, which we talked about earlier. Seth's got it one. Big E, this is the second time Big E has pulled him down. So if they want to get Big E into something after SummerSlam, after after Seth has lost Edge at SummerSlam, which I guess that's how that's probably going to go, I assume, um, then you could put him into something with Seth while we're waiting to put him into something with Roman, if that's the route they go. Okay, then once... Seth gets pulled down. Big E ascends, and they have the two ladders side by side. So Seth goes up the other ladder because Big E has got to be able to grab him and hold him on his shoulder to do a big ending from about 11 feet. Boom. And if you slow-mo that and watch it again, watch how Seth is trying to figure out how he's supposed to land that thing without hurting himself being on Big E's shoulder. Like he's got his hands kind of out and then not kind of out, and then he pulls him in. <laughs> that had to be crazy. Okay, but anyway, Big E wins. And we talked about Biggie winning earlier, so we don't need to go through all that. I thought, as a review, I wanted to go through it. The name of the pay-per-view is Money in the Bank. In, in spite of technical difficulties, I wanted to talk about it. It was an amazing, amazing match. And they managed to tell all of the little stories and push forward ideas for stories we can go into for SummerSlam and beyond inside of a car crash which is exactly what a money in the bank ladder match should be so wonderful pay-per-view thank you so much this is a go home heat production copyright 2021 kp for nick who came with us earlier thank him for calling in and check out our friends at the gin project the g-n-g-i-n-n project.com go home